the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage, insightful analysis, built around your favorite teams and leagues, The Athletic delivers everything you need at every sports story that matters. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription today. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. We are also provided by Balance Bridge Funding, providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balance Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation and financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively, avoid broker fees, and no prepayment penalties if you pay it back early. Whether your client is under contract and looking to bridge against guarantees, a free agent looking for a new deal, or, or looking to borrow for any other reason, let Balanced Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client today. Visit balancedbridge.com. Happy Wednesday morning. My name is Blake Janetti. Here's the agenda for today. A little bit of NFL to start it off. I put together a best value piece, projected best values. And a little different this year because I get a lot of complaints when I do these. Uh, I broke it down in two categories. So each position has a potential best value rookie and a best value veteran. So you can't complain that I'm just throwing a bunch of rookie contracts out there and saying that's the best value because obviously that's the best value. So a little bit more thought out this year. Scott Allen and I will bounce that around a little bit here. And then at the back end of the show, Scott's got some great data from the NBA offseason uh, some projected financials in that regard as well. So we'll go. We'll break down some of a lot that's happened in the NBA, and that's starting to slow down a little bit as well. So it's a good time to sort of recap that from a numbers standpoint. Scott, welcome back to the show. The uh, yeah, big photo back. on top of this article is Tom Brady. Did I bury the lead or what? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> How many people are sick of hearing me say and others say that Tom Brady's the potential best value veteran quarterback in football yet again. Look, it's not rocket science. He took a two-year deal in free agency. He restructured that deal after a year. He took another two-year deal, got himself a signing bonus, dropped his cap hit immeasurably over the next two years. He's the 15th average paid quarterback in football right now. What do you want me to say? I mean, <laughs> you know, they're, they're the odds on favor to win the Super Bowl again. He had 4,000-plus yards. I think he was the fourth-best-rated quarterback in football last year. What do you want me to say? I mean, this is just what happens over and over again with this guy, right? Yeah, it is. You know, and you had Andrew Brand on talking about his business Hall of Fame. Yeah. Tom Brady's got to be in there for the fact of how many championships he's won and the fact that he has had such valuable contracts. You know, they're not break the bank. He, yeah. he does it in a team-friendly situation. So... Scott, why hasn't LeBron James done this? LeBron James because, makes, makes a billion dollars yeah. outside of basketball. Why? Why? Because that's always the argument of Brady, right? His wife is rich. He's rich. He's got so many endorsements. He just he doesn't need his football money. And you know, it's silly to say that because money is money. But it, it there's a lot of truth to it. Who makes more money outside of the game than LeBron James? And yet he's maxing out in Los Angeles. I think it's because of how the structure of the salary cap works between the two different leagues. The fact that teams in the NBA have rights and you know, he's signing with bird rights or when he went to Los Angeles, it was with cap space. But um, like when he was with Miami, he, he's, he didn't take a maximum that he could have, but because of the rights with some of these high caliber players, whether they took a lower amount 
they're still going to be over the cap. So teams right. probably just operate under the assumption we're going to pay you what we can for our superstars. Yeah but, yeah, but you know what I'm saying, like, because you're right. I mean, I mean, it's easier for teams to just blow a lot of money because it's less roster. There's not a hard cap. Th- that part of it's simple. But he's still the sixth highest average paid player in basketball right now. And and we just went through an offseason, Scott, where the Lakers couldn't do a lot of right. what they wanted to do. So there is a counterpoint to, to what you're saying. Yes, they acquired Russell, Russell Westbrook, but they gave up four pieces or so to get him in. I mean, it's, you know, and the same thing happened with Anthony Davis, quite frankly. If LeBron James is worth 29 a year instead of 41 a year, is there a difference? Or, or is what you're saying that teams are so far over? The cap is such a, a, a mythical Illusion. line. Yeah, a mythical Illusion. line in the NBA that, that nothing he could do could really help them build otherwise. Yes, the latter. Okay. You know, the fact that, you know, they traded for Anthony Davis because they wanted to have, and I know we don't, this isn't a a basketball segment, but they offered Anthony Davis what they did. They offered the extension to LeBron for what they did. So the Lakers knew what they were getting into. They could have let LeBron just go to, you know, get to his free agency and negotiate and said, do you want to take a a team-friendly deal? But my guess is he would have been coveted by every other team in the league and it would have been hmm. who, who can pay him the most at that point, especially those teams that have the cap space. Um, so I, I think is there something from, about excuse me, is there something about because this is, brings us back to the NFL with a lot of these positions, Scott, because we're, th- you know, we're talking quarterback here. We're also talking Lakers here. You know, that's pretty powerful stuff. Right? I, mean, I mean, it's like the Dodgers in baseball right now. There's nothing the Dodgers can't and won't do. And I guess to some degree, the Lakers are in that boat, too. But, Scott, is there something about LeBron feels like he has to keep pushing that number forward because of who he is, because of what he stands for in the league? You know, I think yes. Russell Wilson has done that. I think Mahomes felt like he had to do that. Right. I think a lot of these top position guys, Kittle and Kelsey... They feel like it's their obligation to their own position to push that number as far as possible versus taking any kind of friendly deal for their team. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And the minute that he takes a massive pay cut instead of $40 million, he's taking 15. What does that say to the rest of the ownership? Oh, I want those superstars to have to take a cut. And I think, The other aspect is he learned from being in Miami and being in Cleveland that you can massage the cap as much as you want with trades, with signing buyout players, signing minimum guys, getting who you want around. We we saw them gut the Cleveland Cavaliers roster where, you know, three three fourths (laughs) of it midseason got moved and it was a completely different roster than where it started. So I think he's learned from a business standpoint that in the NBA, the cap is so fluid and the movement is so much that he can get away with taking the salary. But on the flip side, if he did take a cut, that's a huge uh, shot in the air to the rest of the league, the owners, the front office that all right, our premier player in our league is willing to take this cut. So we're going to try to do this with our other superstars. It's interesting. It really is. So do you think that some players, many players in the NFL look at Tom Brady like a, as a negative because he could be really pushing this thing way forward. I mean, he could, 
<laughs> even at this age. Certainly 10 years ago, he could have been. Possibly. Maybe. The I don't know. Is it's worked. I, I think the difference is <laughs> the NBA has, this is going to sound sound horrible probably, but the NBA focuses more towards their superstars yeah. than the NFL does in their capacity. And we've said it before. You know, those superstars can single-handedly change the landscape of a game. Correct. Whereas Tom Brady simply can't. That, but, yeah, I guess that's where I was. But I'll say to... it again. I'll get it on record again. I'm sure you agree. I just don't understand why more, more players aren't doing this. I don't get it. He's been doing this for over a decade and nobody else has, has, has said, I'll do it. Will Matthew Stafford please do this? He's made 200 million plus already in his career, including a ridiculous rookie contract. When the Rams go to sign him again next year after he has a great year there, let's be honest about what's about to happen here. Can he please take a, a, a nominal pay cut for this next extension and get that team, you know, make sure that defense stays locked in, bring in more weapons, extend some of these guys in the offensive line? Can he please be the next player to do this? Somebody else has to follow in these footsteps. I realize it's terrible business, but it's really good football business. Obviously, it's worked. So I, that's, I just don't get it. I don't get why nobody else has done it. And maybe Russell will do it. And Russell's up for an extension next year, most likely as well. Maybe he follows suit here too. But somebody has to do it because it's clear as day that with the sizes of this roster, with the, with the need for depth that the NFL now is at every position, this is clearly the path forward and Brady has shown it again and he's done it again. And there's no reason to believe why that Bucks team shouldn't be the top contender. So yeah, here it, we are. It, it's, it's an excellent point. It's an excellent case study because you're right. Why haven't right. we seen it more? It's always Just give us another player to model, it's, please. <laughs> it, it's always the next man up yeah. mentality right now in every position. And so you know, Mahomes signing what he did, Allen signing with what he did. The, the signs don't point to a, a premier player going that route. And I wonder how much of it has to do with, you know, he was a sixth round pick. He was in New England where, you know, they didn't necessarily have to spend. So they, they did what they could. And, you know, I, I'm good curious. Point. They to started know, from the ground up on this. You're right. It's a fair point. They did. But he has so much off the court, and you compare him with what LeBron has done off the court, and it's very it, – it's apples to oranges. Hmm. But you're right. He Tom is really the only one that we can think of in the NFL that has really, at his level, done these mid-level pay cuts. He's yeah. always averaging around 25 to 20, somewhere in there. And he leaves the room for the team to sign the pieces around him to win. Yeah. And look – I'm not talking about your second contract. And by the way, the rookie on this on this list in terms of potential best value rookie contract for a quarterback is Lamar. So smooth transition, right? I mean, Lamar is going to be 45 million a year. He's going to be 45 million a year. Probably not this offseason, but by next March, he'll be 45 million a year. So there you go. There's a team that I think needs a lot of pieces to fill in the blanks to get better. And Lamar's contract is going to be a problem. Now, full disclosure. I'm fully aware, maybe more than anybody in the world, <laughs> that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, eventually Lamar, that the contracts they sign, even though they're $45 million a year, the first two years are very cap-friendly, they're very well-structured, so that there is some, some room to allow the team to build around them. I get it. I get how the cap works versus the cash versus the average salary. I'm well-tuned into that. 
But at the end of the day, the the way for it to be $45 million or 44 and change for Josh Allen is it's got to be an eight-year contract. Tom Brady never did that. Nope. Short, sweet, still got a lot of money, still pushed it forward, constantly kept the value, constant value. Whereas if we're talking Allen and Mahomes, it's immediate value, soon to be no value, right? Soon to be zero value. And by the end of those contracts, disaster value, completely yes. backwards. That's what I, those contracts, is, are structured, contracts are structured as. Brady never did that. There was never a, po- a point in Brady's career where his cap it was so astronomical that somebody had to make a rash move to fix it. By the way, Matthew Stafford had two of those instances. Matt Ryan's had three of those instances. There's a way to do this where you never have to get in that situation. And Tom Brady has consistently done it. Yeah, and I'm curious to know in the next few years, now that we're seeing more quarterbacks than in the past being taken in the top 10, if any of these players, if they have immediate success where they get to the Super Bowl or they get really deep into the playoffs Mm -hmm. and they come up for their extension and they opt to go for a a two-year or a three-year and then re-up again or follow the mantra of Tom Brady where they, instead of going $45 million, they go for a $20 million for $20 million each for the next three years or whatever it may be where it's team-friendly, but they they see where their team is mm-hmm. on a three-year landscape and they think, all right, if we can go back-to-back in a Super Bowl, I'm going to earn way more off of getting deep into the playoffs or winning the Super Bowl than getting paid. Availability is the best ability, Scott. And and that that works for this too. So for instance, I would love Baker Mayfield to sign a two-year bridge contract right now. Two, a three-year total contract locks him in maybe maybe 50 million right now over the next three. And then by 2024, oh, by the way, pretty good time to be available for a contract with the cap going where it's going and the cash flow coming where it's coming. If the Browns win over the next two to three years, and he, re- I mean, he'll become a god there, <laughs> Cleveland. You know, it's the Josh Allen co- situation all over again. He'll become a god on on a on a good rookie bridge extension contract that then sets him up for twenty eight year old Baker Mayfield. If you want to cash in, then do it. You've already done your winning at that point. You know, I- I'd love it, Scott. I would love to see it. It's just not. It's not how the agents and players think. They want, and rightfully so. They want to get their money when it's available to them. These careers aren't long, you know. But it's pretty good business, and you know, it's enough Tom Brady talk. But it's uh, annual. It's an annual discussion. Let's put it that way. So, quarterback potential best values: veteran Tom Brady, rookie Lamar Jackson. All right, well, let's kind of run through these quickly, Scott. You want to take the running backs? Yeah, I'm not surprised by the two that you picked here. Chris Carson it was Seattle, 15th overall at 5.2 million, and then rookie David Montgomery, who some think is going to have a massive breakout year here, even more so than he has in the past, 81st at 1 million dollars. So I, I think you, you sort of nailed it on the head here as far as uh, the running back values. There's a lot of ways to go with this, and Chris Carson just signed this extension. So for me, calling him a potential best value months after he penned an extension in Seattle. I like the fit. I like the team. I think that he's a workhorse. I don't like any of the of the pieces behind him on the depth chart. I think he's going to be the guy if he's healthy, and he, that has been the case. I, I just think he's an undervalued player as it is. So the fact that he got his money a little bit and gets to go and run it back there is just good for everybody. And yeah, Montgomery started to show signs at the end of the season. That team is starting to come together, but they do not have an offensive line. So I may be regretting no. this pick pretty quickly in 2021. <laughs> 
Wide receivers. Speaking of uh, incredible talent that, that, that finds its way into best value situations, I mean, until Devontae Adams becomes a $25, $26 million wide receiver, he's the 18th average paid receiver in football, and I think he's the best receiver in football. So those two things don't go together right now. So he's got his quarterback back. That's a really good team that should be even better. I, I don't know how they won't be now that all the pieces are there. He's on an expiring contract. That's pretty good news if you're a fantasy owner of him or if you're him specifically on a good team, on an expiring contract, on a position that is just you know skyrocketed financially. Sky's the limit for him. So he's a value for the next couple of months, but that will not be the case come March. No question about right. it. What about, yeah, rookie, I, what about the rookie contract receiver? Yeah, I, I like this one. A.J. Brown with Tennessee, 95th at $1.4 I, I really like this kid. He is a, a star. He, I, I've had him in fantasy the sure. last few years and, you know, he just rockets the points in, in that aspect, you know, and, and that Tennessee team is a, a team that I, I do like from a business financial roster construction standpoint, what they've been doing. Um, I, I think they just got to get over the hump. And I think AJ Brown is one of those wide he, receivers. He's got some that, legitimate help now too, doesn't he? And, and he does. Jones. Yes. So yeah, I think the, uh, Offensively, that team is ready to really break out again, and he should be a big reason why. Not sure how many how many games they can win with that defense, but that's another conversation here. Tight ends, this feels annual. You know, Darren Waller signed that contract three years ago. He's still the best value in football at seven point four million dollars a year. I know that sounds high. There's probably more. You know, many of you out there looking at guys two, three million that are going to do just fine. But Darren Waller is outstanding. He's the third best tight end in football. There's really no arguing that, you know, Kittle, Kelsey, and then him. And then you can get into Mark Andrews. You can get into some of these younger guys, Gasecki maybe. But this is the guy. And this guy is undervalued across the board. The fact that he's not top 10 in pay right now is a tragedy. And I hope that gets changed after this season. But for now, he's a best value. And the, and the rookie contract one is difficult because I think a lot of fantasy owners and fantasy experts like the prospect of Dallas Goddard, Scott, and Philly but no offensive line. We have no idea what Jalen Hurts is. And Zach Ertz is still on that roster. So <laughs> there's a lot of kind of roadblocks in the way for him. But at 50th overall in average pay tight end wise, the ceiling is pretty high for this guy. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Especially if Ertz does move. you got to think he's eventually going to move, right? I don't know. We had that conversation last time. <laughs> And well, the Rams you know, started acquiring more people, so maybe they're in on this guy too. You know, maybe we'll see. Um, offensive line, Taron Armstead's the starting left tackle in New Orleans. He has been for quite a bit. That contract is a little bit past its time now, and uh, he's due for a brand new one now, expiring contract. So, if the Saints are going to keep this thing together and not rip it all down, which some believe they might, this is going to be the next twenty million plus offensive line contract right there, Taron Armstead. Uh, but for now, he's $13 million a year and pretty good value. In San Francisco, there's going to be a lot of San Francisco throughout the season that we discussed, Scott, because they're, the, they're one of those worst-to-first candidates. They just mm -hmm. had an injured year. Their defense is phenomenal. The quarterback position, I mean, they have two legitimate quarterbacks from what we've seen early on here. They have two really good running backs and three, three really good pass-catching options, and they paid a boatload for this offensive line. And one of the guys they haven't had to pay yet is Mike McClinchy, the uh, offensive tackle that they drafted not too long ago. He's four and a half million per year in that contract. He's barely into the top 50 in terms of tackle pay. It's just a good formula. They keep 
every year they, you know, they forfeited a couple of draft picks this year to get Trey Lance, but every year they bring in a couple of draft selections that immediately impact their roster. They do very well in that regard. And, and then you put together with a coach like Shanahan and it's good things for a long time with that system. How about the guards in the center, Scott? Go ahead and kind of rip through those. Yeah, so Quentin Nelson with a rookie for the guard. Not not surprised by that. Indy, you know, they they targeted him. Uh, yeah, top early, five. top five, right? Yeah, and then uh, Betonio. Yeah, am I saying that right? Oh yeah, with Cleveland. Yeah, so um, you know, these these are offensive lines that, and then if we go to the centers, that, let me do that too. Ben Jones in Tennessee, Creed Humphrey in Kansas City. I'm I'm not surprised by the value that you picked here with these offensive lines because these are offensive lines that have quarterbacks that. <laughs> well, they're for, all contenders, aren't they? <laughs> they're all contenders, and you know, it it's something that we've been preaching for a long time in having an offensive line to protect your quarterback, yeah. and the fact that these four teams are on here with valued uh players yeah. says something. Yeah, there's just a lot there's a lot of room for them to succeed. Um many of these teams that are contending have figured out that they're that you have to feed all the mouths on the line. You know, you can't just have one expensive left tackle and, and hope that that carries your day. Uh, I mean, you got to have five starters, two swing guys, a backup center. Uh, you got you you need it all because it's a marathon and look, we added an extra week this year for the season. So that, that point even becomes more magnified this year with additional games and things like that. So uh, we're going to see these numbers really go up across the board as the league and the cap rise, you know, centers are no longer the last piece of the puzzle. The interior linemen are getting paid almost as well as the, as the exterior offensive linemen. Now, right tackles are way up, up, up near $20 million a year. Guards are up near eighteen million a year once Brandon Scherf signs his extension. It's going to get really fun fast for these uh these these hogs on the offensive line. Well, and to add to that, it's going to be interesting to see over these next few years, like you mentioned there, because of what we saw in the Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know we brought that up many many times, and you know a lot of media has brought that up now that we're close to the start of the season. But I think we're going to see even more of a uptick on these offensive linemen for the fact that teams are now realizing even more so that you need a quarterback, but if you don't have the trenches built, your quarterback means nothing. And we saw that with Sam Darnold for a few years in, in, in New York there. I'm very concerned about Trevor Lawrence. I'm very concerned that, that that Jags team is about to be Bengals 2.0. They've got a very easy start to their schedule. I think they start out three and one Jacksonville and they're the buzz of the of the of the town. Let Lawrence is an immediate Hall of Famer, and then all of a sudden somebody comes in and knocks him in the mouth. Week five, yeah. week six, because there's just not enough depth in that offensive line. I, I, I'm really worried about that situation. I hope they slow play it. I'd be rooting for Gardner Minshew out of the gate, to be perfectly honest. There. All right, look at the offensive line money has really come forward. Here's a position that hasn't, and it's really becoming devalued. Defensive tackles, non-rush defensive linemen. Um, it's really coming down. Shelby Harris is probably a 14 to $15 million guy. He's been one and done t- two years in a row here. And two years in a row, he's been my best value defensive tackle. He's at $9 million in Denver. I like this Denver team a lot. I really wish the Aaron Rodgers situation had worked out because I really would have liked to see how far that ceiling could have gone with this roster. They've done a really good job drafting, just not at the quarterback position. 
I mean, Trevor Simeon, Drew Locke, it's been a nightmare for the past five, six years. So, but it really seems like everything else they've really figured out. So um, he's a piece of this puzzle. He's a really well-valued piece of the puzzle. And then look, the Bucks have to get back in this conversation eventually. Vita Vey is still on a rookie contract. He's a monster. He's 88th. He's the 80th ranked defensive lineman in football at 3.7 million a year. He's going to get a monster extension with void years and all that stuff. Just another Tampa keep their own kind of situation. He's not going anywhere. Edge rushers. This one's going to surprise some people because there's a lot out there. But the veteran I picked, Scott, is Jerry Hughes from the Bills. Full disclosure, Jerry Hughes was also on my roster bubble list this year. <laughs> so the fact that he's here, um, well, maybe you explain it. How, how do you read that situation? Veteran guy, glue piece. Yeah. Rock, um, locker room guy. Yep. You're, it's sort of like the Lorenzo Alexander. Oh my God, you nailed my answer exactly right, Scott. Yes, here's what happened. Some of those kids, especially the new ones that they drafted, they, they're just hitting. They're going to be really good. They're going to be real. That, that defensive line and the edge rush from a youth standpoint on the Bills looks really good out of the gate. And when that happens, when you've got young, energetic kids who want to go out there and play hard, the veterans who, who can already do that, they're amplified. I mean, that's exactly what Lorenzo Alexander had for two, the last two, three, three years in Buffalo. It's why they kept bringing him back. Um, I have a feeling that's exactly what this is going to be with Jerry Hughes, that these kids are going to raise him up. He's going to be the linchpin, you know, the guy that they look to. And he might revert back to two, three years ago when he was a 10 plus sack guy because there will be room to operate and he'll have, you know, the mental side of it figured out. He'll, he'll know exactly where to line himself up specifically to benefit of off these young kids who are bouncing around, taking the big hits where he won't have to. I think it's right. a perfect situation for him. And that wasn't the case for me six, six months ago with him. So uh, good news for him, I believe. And then go ahead with TJ Watt. I mean, this is, it's a no brainer. <laughs> this could change tomorrow if he's 30 million a year tomorrow, but he's not yeah. right now. <laughs> right. I was going to say that this may last uh, 24 hours and then this <laughs> is completely different than 2.3 million, but you know, you're, he's a stud. Oh, yeah, not enough can be said about him. And, you know, you got to hope that the Pittsburgh Steelers do right. I, I you you know better than I how the Pittsburgh Steelers deal with extensions, at least on the offensive side. I know they have sort of botched that in the past, but do they usually uh, do they have a good track record with no extending defensive players? No, not extending anybody because they don't get guarantee based salaries. So all of their guarantees have to be built into signing bonus and roster bonus. So when TJ Watt says he wants 80 million guaranteed, that's either going to be a gigantic signing bonus with tons of dead cap built into it, or it's going to have to be a, a creative situation with roster bonuses that get restructured, or it's going to be heavily front loaded in cap, which I'm not sure Pittsburgh wants to do or any team wants to do. So no, the way that that Pittsburgh structures their contracts makes it extremely difficult to sign a contract like TJ Watt's going to want. So so if you're TJ Watt and you're his agent, you want to walk into free agency, don't you? Knowing that the the cap could potentially go up even more next year. Here's the, the problem, though, Scott, is I don't think they'd have any problem because they've shown this too, double tagging him. So he's going to be stuck. Right. Good, well paid, but stuck. He won't have the control he thinks he will have because so they're going to double tag him. So if you're a team that thinks you're a, a piece or two, do you make a trade for him mm -hmm. 
during the season or at the trade deadline or now. If he's not signed, Scott, before the season starts, you're going to have a hell of a lot of teams watching how the Pittsburgh Steelers look this off this season because there's a lot riding on Ben. They brought back a couple of receivers. You know, they've got some pieces that can work and, and their secondary looks good too. But if they're, if they're not winning games and the trend is down, not up for that team, yes, you're going to start seeing teams call for him, for for James Washington, for Mika Fitzpatrick, for these guys who are going to need money in the next couple of years. And, um, I don't know uh, if it happens because I just don't know if you let a guy like this walk. You know, this is kind of Khalil Mack all over again, but it's uh, it might not be the right time for Pittsburgh to pop 30 million for TJ Watt, if that's what you're kind of alluding to here. I, I am. And, you know, we've talked talked about the trades, Stafford, uh, Jamal Adams, Ramsey, yeah. teams taking a chance on making a trade, whether it is to first or I don't know what TJ Watt would garner on uh, from a draft pick standpoint. Oh, I would think that, yes. At least two. Yeah. So if you're a team that thinks you need that one more piece, don't you just yeah. offer that and then extend him because you know you have the room? Do it now instead of having to wait. Um, There's no way they, teams already haven't done it. No way. Um, because of everything we're, just, we're talking about here, the, the, the instability of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, Cleveland and Baltimore should be markedly better in that division. But, you know, you never know. Ben, ben can come back and have a renaissance here and that team can be in contention and then nobody's going anywhere, at least for this year. But I think you're dead on, Scott. I think if, if things fall off the tracks quickly... He's going to be a major trade candidate. Major. I mean, it be, might be one of the biggest trades in the history of the NFL. That's how damn good this guy is. By the way, I was so tempted to put both Watt brothers here because the, everything I said about Jerry Hughes could be said about J.J. Watt in Arizona. It's almost the exact same conversation. I just think Hughes with his his price tag, mm-hmm. he's on an expiring... There's a little bit more to play for for him. And, and I think he turns that into a really monster year. So... Off-ball linebackers, we've seen this really skyrocket with Fred Warner and Darius Leonard really jumping up here in terms of money. Eric Kendricks is undervalued in Minnesota. He's a really good player. He just can't stay healthy lately. But if he does, he's a top 30 guy. He's not a top 25 guy in terms of pay. Minnesota needs their defense to play like like Warriors this year because I don't know what's going to happen offensively with that roster. And similar conversation in Chicago with Roquan Smith, who could be extended here very, very soon. He's going to be the next man up. He's going to he's going to surpass Darius Leonard's money. But for now, he's 51st in the league in terms of off-ball linebackers. He's a really good value. He's really worked out in terms of their high draft pick. And, you know, the Bears should be in contention for a playoff spot again because of that defense. Let's run through it quick, Scott. Cornerbacks, James Bradbury. He was a free agent signing for the Giants last year. What's your take on the New York Giants right now? Because they really rebuilt this thing on the fly. Yeah, they really have. And we haven't... You know, it's either rip it, rip the bandaid off and, and start from scratch or, you know, yeah. we really haven't seen this on the fly. And with the with the New York Giants, I, I'm, I'm really interested. I think I said this when we were talking about them uh, last time we were talking about the uh, offseason spending. I'm really interested to see how this team works, especially from, you know, they've done some offensive side, but on that defensive side, because, you know, where are the Washington football team going to be? Where mm-hmm. is the Philadelphia Eagles going to be? Dallas, for all intents and purposes, on paper, they're the ones on top. But, you know, if if the New York Giants can really take a step forward and their defense can and stop those other two teams, they have a chance at winning the division depending yeah. on what the Dallas Cowboys do. 
Agreed. Jair Alexander is my rookie pick for cornerback. He's a, a great draft pick for the Green Bay Packers. That Packers team is better. It's better across the board, and I think he's a big part of it. So he's a he's going to be one of those guys that's going to push for Jalen Ramsey's twenty million when it's all said and done. He's that good. And speaking of which, our safety positions, the best value. <laughs> Ugh, this one's frustrating. So John Johnson leaves the Rams, a great defense, goes to Cleveland, a great defense, for $11 million and change per year. He, he, he hits free agency, which players really never do anymore these days, and he gets the eighth best safety quarterback or safety contract in football. It's great value for the Cleveland Browns. It's just a great deal. It's a short deal. It's a high-impact deal. He gets to do it all over again, probably in two seasons, or extend with the Browns if they love him like I think they will. It's uh, it's win-win for both team and player there. And then here we go. Jesse Bates, Cincinnati. If you don't know this name yet, you will soon because he's going to be the next man up in terms of safety money. So if Jamal Adams just went 17 and a half, Jesse Bates is going 18 million. He's that good. He's on a team that's paid nobody else, right? I mean, Joe Mixon got a running back contract because they needed to spend to the floor in Cincinnati. That's why he got paid. It's going to be a similar situation with Jesse Bates. He's that, that good. He's going to be the, the back end of that defense for the next few years for sure. I'll just add on with your John Johnson back to our Tom Brady conversation. Sounds like John Johnson is pulling a, uh, it's smart. a Tom Brady esque yeah. where yeah. he took a team friendly, but he got paid. He didn't break the bank where it's going to break the Cleveland defense. So, and he went to a team he wanted to go to a team that he thinks in the AFC can be the next version of the Rams. They're that, they're yeah. that deep. They're that balanced. They're that good. By the way, it's kind of topical here. John Johnson leaves the Rams in free agency. It, it, it is projected that the Rams will get a fourth round compensatory draft pick for that for that move. That fourth round pick that they just that they'll acquire for John Johnson is what they're about to trade the New England Patriots for Sony Michelle. That just happened this morning. So that's how that math will work out eventually. It's kind of an in limbo move. The 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 Patriots will acquire that pick once they actually have that pick. They don't have it right. yet, but the but the the formula says they will have that pick. So just a little breaking news there. And then our special teamers, Young Ho Koo, the um, Atlanta Falcons kicker. He's great. He's making less than a million a year. If he's great again this year, he'll get an extension. It's that easy. And the Bills drafted Tyler Bass as, as a place kicker, I think, of the fifth round. Um, kind of a big move. You don't see that kind of thing happen anymore. He's excellent. He, he kicks the ball out of the end zone sixth, on kickoffs. Sixth round. Yeah, there you go. He kicks yeah. the ball out of the end zone on kickoffs. He nails 85, 90% of his, of his field goals and extra points. He's everything you'd want in a late draft pick kicker. So he's he's at 869 on his rookie contract. So pretty good value there as well. And then punters. Did you know any of these names, Scott? None. Beautiful. Zero. Logan Cook, the Jacksonville Jaguars punter. He's sixth in football at $3 million a year. And the Patriots drafted Jake Bailey. Maybe that was the fifth rounder. Yeah, it was a fifth round pick for Jake Bailey. Um Punters are people too, and the Patriots think so. $700,000 a year over the next two seasons. That's a... Look, the Patriots have always valued special teams. It's one of the reasons that they've done so well consistently is that they value this side of the game when most teams don't have the capital to do so. The Rams as well. The Rams pay kickers and punters a heck of a lot of money, and they've had the same long snapper forever. That, That stuff matters. You know, it's like defense and baseball. It matters. Even though it's not sexy and you don't want to talk about it too much, it matters. So it's not an accident that these kind of teams have taken out late round draft picks to kind of fill in those blanks when, when necessary. It's the right move, in my opinion. Anything else? Who am I missing? Anybody jumping off the page here that I'm missing? Mm. Would you have taken Tom Brady? 
Let's finish on that. Probably. Yeah. Is there anybody uh, out there? I, I mean, you you mentioned the NFC East Fitzpatrick. If he starts, he could have some value for half a season. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through the list to see if there anyone. Andy Dalton had a chance off. for about a minute and a half. He does not have a chance anymore to be on this list, <laughs> even though he might play a lot this season. Tannehill has an outside chance at $29.5 million per year. It's pretty good value. He's 11th right now in average spending. Here's a name for you. How about Derek Carr? Yeah. Derek Carr is the is... 15th highest average paid. He's tied with Brady, excuse me. I mean, if that's a team that pushes forward because of a lot of these draft moves, it's got a chance, right? Yeah, absolutely, especially with the amount of, you know, conversation that's come up with him being traded to five other teams. Mm-hmm. If he, if he can strike it well this year, you know, that, that could be a, a very, yeah, he'll be paid very good valued <laughs> contract for sure. He is going to get paid last name. Um, just cause I have a little re- recency bias with it. Last name seems like Jameis Winston's going to win that job in new Orleans. He's on, he's on does. a one year, five and a half million dollar contract. It's got to be mentioned, right? That there's potential massive value there. Yeah. Yeah. You in on the Saints? I am not. Would you bet them to not make the playoffs? I would. Okay. At least on paper right now, I would. Okay. Not with your real money, huh? Not with my real money. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll post this again and uh, push this out to the Twitterverse, but it's uh, a pretty... uh, Pretty thought out piece. Like I said, I put a lot of thought into it this year, trying to break down both a vet, both a veteran and a rookie deal to sort of establish. Because I, like I said, I took a lot of flack just having rookie contracts up there. But maybe we'll do something mid season on this, kind of kind of bring this back up and oh, see where things are, see where we hit and we missed, and then try to put something together for how it could finish off the season with best values. But good stuff on this, Scott. We'll uh, flip the switch to NBA here in a second. Today's episode is brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, dedicated to serving the unique wealth management needs of athletes and top professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment strives to bring sports professionals the financial solutions they need, including access to financing, supporting prospective NFL and NBA athletes through the draft process. Find out more about this pre and post draft loan program at morganstanley.com GSE. That's morganstanley.com GSE. All right, Scott, let's switch gears here to the NBA. Like I said, you got a bit of a recap now in terms of numbers. What are we at? About $4 billion in NBA, NBA contracts this offseason. It's got to be close at this point, right? Yeah, pretty close. Jeez. Not done yet. Roster nope. still being finalized. Summer League is done. On to kind of like the uh, the final push here. Offseason. Preseason is about, what, three weeks away? Mid, yeah, about Mid-September. That. And then we get going early October in terms of regular season. So... Teams will be getting down to those final 12, final 15 sooner rather than later here. You're kind of projecting how these rosters might look from the top down, which is uberly important with the NBA right now, because if you don't have a big three and generally, if you're not paying that big three, you're not a contender. Is that how you're seeing it now? Yeah, I am for the most part. Um, So I, I took a look at the top three salaries of every team and then looked at the potential luxury tax bill that some of them are going to have to pay and looked at what the teams had in dead money. And it's a complete reversal versus who's paying a tax bill and who's really paying in dead money 
uh, to the team. So is there a correlation like there is in the NFL, Scott, where if you're, if you're taking on dead cap in a, in a given year, you're generally not in the conversation for being one of the top teams for that season. Is there a correlation? Yeah, there is. Okay. Some of the teams at the top with the big, big three salaries, they do have some dead money and some of it's from being stretched over a, a few years that like in the Lakers case, I, I saw that they had some dead money. It was still from Lua, uh, Lou Dang uh, <laughs> being stretched. So they have five million of dead money, but that goes off the books after this season. But for the most part, the teams at the the bottom that have substantial dead money have either ripped the Band-Aid off or have wanted to take on dead money for acquiring picks yeah. a la Sam Oklahoma Presti. City Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's start with the big three, the big three salaries. You're taking the combined salaries. Is it the, of the top three players that you kind of objectively put together or just the top three salaries on a roster? Top three on the roster. Okay. Um, yeah. No very, surprise. It, it very We're, interesting. Yeah. No surprise. Top two, Brooklyn and LA. Uh, you know, they've, they've established their big threes. Now they've literally, boy, are they, they're all, they're all acquired, right? All three of the big threes were acquired via trade. No, LeBron was a free agent. Well, LeBron was a free agent. Durant was a sign-in no, trade. Sign so. trade. <laughs> <laughs> so Brooklyn's first and LA's right behind him. There's your big three. Um, I, I imagine that's how, and I'm looking right now, that's exactly how FanDuel has the futures. Brooklyn, yeah, Brooklyn I, first, LA second. <laughs> Yeah, and what I did on my my notes here is I went through and I added those odds to see if there were, you know, teams that had a big three salary but had a decent to mid FanDuel odds just to see where it fell. Find some value, sure. Yeah, and it, it was interesting. For the most part, the, the ones that are at the bottom, you would expect to have horrible odds. But there were a few teams that I, I was kind of surprised to see where they landed. Yeah, so the, give me the range. So if, I t- if you tell me that the Brooklyn Nets big three cost 121 and change, what's the lowest big three right now? 18.9. <laughs> oh, I Sam rap- Presti. Yes. <laughs> Oklahoma City, huh? And obviously their odds are horrible. So he's, so he is, my goodness, he is 21 million lower than any other team in the NBA. So the 29th Memphis Grizzlies have 39 and change. This is unbelievable. He's 100 and, 104 less than any, than the biggest All right, Brooklyn let, Nets. And he's, 30 and he's 21 less than any other team. Yeah. I mean, let's let's play the game. How is this not a competitive imbalance though? Right. You pick the three. Can you pick the three that are on that roster? No, I can't because Shea, Shea just is on a rookie contract. He's got to be one of them anyway. Right. He is the second highest. Okay. I don't even know who's on this freaking team anymore, Scott. Um, All right. So the, the, the number one they traded for, well, that Derek doesn't Favors. mean anything because generally they trade for a guy and then either cut him or trade him, trade him away. Right. And so Derek Favors is on this roster. <laughs> I would never right have gotten now. there. <laughs> and then Gabriel Deck, who's no. non-guaranteed, is the third highest. That's the worst trivia question in the history of sports right there. I, that's incredible. Nine, under $19 million for your top three salaries right now. And it's not going to change. Aren't they basically no. done? 
unless they want to acquire some more picks. I mean, that, that that's, uh, and yeah, is Cleveland looking to get rid of Kevin Love? That, that's a possibility, right? You know what? At the rate this team is at, I wouldn't be surprised if they either. take on any more and do what they did with Kemba Walker and just cut them and eat, eat the money. I mean, right now they're second in dead cap behind the Detroit Pistons. Uh, they have 28 million of dead cap, and that's after having agreed to the buyout with Kemba Walker. Is Vegas just being nice? There are five teams. Is it five? There's five teams at the bottom of the list to win the, the NBA title. It's Houston, Oklahoma City, Cleveland, Detroit, and Orlando. Some of those teams are markedly better than the Oklahoma City Thunder. Is Vegas just trying, you know... It's not even worth having a lower than 25,000 plus 25,000. Is that what they're saying? You agree with me, right? Houston's going to be better than OKC. Orlando's yes. going to be better than OKC. Yes. Uh, Cade Cunningham should win more games than Shea Gildas right now on that roster. Yes. Ugh. Maybe maybe that's just a rule of thumb that they have. Their, their, that's their floor. And that's Yeah, I guess it's probably right. Th- this, this is really an incredible stat, though, Scott. And at some point, he's got to stop going being the transactional genius and the league has to step in and say, Hey man, it's time for you to start winning games. We were, we were at that point with the Boston Celtics with Danny Ainge yeah. where he was acquiring, 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 and everyone was saying at some point you're going to have to hit and, and, and pull the trigger on either using these picks or using them to actually do something with your roster. Eventually they did, but I think the Oklahoma City Thunder and what Sam Presti has done is even Scott, ten times get to the worse floor? than what Boston has done. Scott, how does he spend enough in a given year here? I mean, I guess the dead money helps. It <laughs> does. The money he's paying Kemba Walker not to be there helps, but I, I, I don't understand. This seems like rock bottom for that team. Yeah, and and on top of it, they extended... SGA. Yeah. So well, they're, they're going to pay him next year, but you have to start doing something to put pieces around him. Right. You have to want play either players to come there or you need to start acquiring some players via the trade using those first round picks to, you know, put a product around SGA. Otherwise, what's the point of extending him? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, look, Memphis is second last, but they're just young. They're young yeah. and talented. They're just kind of in the perfect storm right now. That and, and, and look at what their odds are. Right. It, it plus 8,500. Yeah. I mean, that's unheard of right now. With If you look at the rest of the list uh, that I'm looking at here, everyone else is 10,000 or more. And then you got Memphis at 8,500. So, you know. I mean, you could say Dallas is the best value. Yes. Pretty easily. You know, Atlanta yes. would be a quick second, but Dallas is big three right now, 64 million. You know, they're top 10 or 12 in, in NBA finals rankings, but a lot of that hinges on KP, unfortunately. And I don't think a lot of people have faith in that, you know? Um, let's go back to the top because the, the top five big three salaries, Brooklyn, LA, Golden State, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, that's pretty darn close to Vegas's NBA finals list. Is it not with yeah, the exception of one team? And I know it's a team you'd like a lot. Utah. Yeah, I, I have liked them in the past. They're, they're big, uh, 
big three is at 84 million, 1400 for FanDuel odds. So they're, they're down there. Is it a, uh, but is the, it a representation, Scott, that they don't have that real third piece? That they're ninth in big three salary right now? Maybe. Yeah. But then if you look at the, you know, the LA Clippers, Eric Bledsoe is the third highest on that roster behind George and Leonard, and they're two plus two thousand. So it's true. Maybe. And, and I mean honestly, they that's signed a, all of that is jaded, Scott, because who knows about Kawhi this year? By that the time too. the season starts, he may be on that's the IR essentially and, and and then that Clippers yep. situation looks a heck of a lot different. So teams like Utah, like Portland, like Boston should be able to push a little bit forward if the Clippers are stepping backwards here. Right. And then uh, on the flip side, I think the interesting thing is Portland Trailblazers at $85.7 million, but their fan duel is at plus 8,000. And you've got Lillard, McCollum. They signed Powell as a free agent to big money. He's their number three highest. But for the amount of money that you're paying your big three and to be where they are in the, in the odds there, uh, Vegas does not like that roster or they think someone might move. Like who? I mean, we've talked about McCollum. We've yeah. talked about if Lillard get, gets moved. You know, I, I think any of those at a trade deadline acquisition, depending on how the first half of the season goes. So I think you're right. I think eight to one from Vegas says, excuse me, 80 to one from Vegas says, this is going to be, this is not going to be the roster we're going to see come Christmas. I think that's what that's saying to me. Yeah, and, and, because uh, and there's with, a talented roster. It's just, I think they think it's incomplete at this point. And with that, we've been talking about Ben Simmons forever. Yeah. Yet they have Philadelphia 18 to one. So they, they think Ben Simmons is probably on this roster for most of the year, at, at least from, you know, an odd standpoint, you know, trying to project if they're going to win the championship or not. Okay, so also with this little document you have, Scott, you've, you're estimating tax bills. How many yes. teams are currently taxpayers? Obviously, you know, full disclaimer, that's subject to change. They have the entire regular season to figure that out, get themselves under the tax threshold, blah, blah, blah. But as of right now, it stands, what, about 8 to 10, it looks ten. like? 10, ten. right now. Some significant, some, I mean, there's four or five here who are definitely going to be paying tax and probably oh. are fine with that. Yes. Yeah, in, in Golden State, they're they're a tax repeater this year, so they get hit even more than these other teams. They're right now, if their roster stays the same for the entire season, they're at $184 million in tax that they're gonna have to pay. Uh followed behind the Brooklyn Nets at 130, and then Los Angeles Clippers at 92. And the situation with Kawhi, could they get any kind of exemption or cap relief from him? no relief but they could well no and they can't even get the disabled exception exemption because they he was a free agent and mm -hmm. not already on the roster so they can't even get an, an exception to sign somebody with him scott is that something you think the nba should change in the next iteration should there be slotted spots for long-term injured reserve and t cash slash cap slash tax relief in those in those cases like many of the other leagues offer yeah, I do. We, we've gone down that road and talked about injured reserve and that kind of stuff. I, I still think that for substantial salaries and, and look, Golden State was in that case last year. Thompson missed. They had to pay substantial tax. Yeah. And 
Clippers are going to be in the same kind of boat. So yeah, there probably should be some indication. And on adding to that point, teams like the Memphis Grizzlies in the past few years, they've been decimated by injuries and they've had upwards of like 26 different players on their roster at one point. So, and, and they have to sign players to 10 days or wave guys and then sign them again because there is no uh, designated injury spot for these players to go to. So you either have 15 plus your two way and, and that is it. And you have to cut and add on the fly. Is that a more important piece of this question? Like, like even if they don't offer cap relief, even if that's not part of the equation, shouldn't there be a situation where you could shelve somebody for the entire year? with cause, you know, a true injury and free up an, a full roster spot. You'd have to take on the cap and the tax. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get any relief in that guard. You'd have to add cap and tax by adding a player, but you could add a legitimate player, a full roster spot be, because of an, an actual IR designation. Isn't that really what teams would probably want the most? They probably would, but I think teams would abuse that situation where like you're I opening <laughs> you're opening up a roster spot so we're going to make a trade to bring in yeah. a, a fourth big a big player or you know so i i think that is why we don't see it you think so is, should the nba care i don't know i don't know the answer to that <laughs> i just think it's such a superstar league if hand, you know, air quotes, if there's going to be abuse by sending more superstars to different teams in the middle of a season or something, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think that kind of news is always going to be good news for the league, for transactions, things like that. I just think no other league does this. No, there's no other situation where, you know, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they're they're all what ifs. Kawhi Leonard was a total what if for the past six months. Uh, you just don't have that. I mean, the NFL tried with Rodgers and Wilson this year. We got nothing out of it except for stupid headlines all summer. You know what I mean? Like these mm-hmm. th- these other leagues are trying to do this. The NBA does it so flippantly. Uh, so give me more of it. Let's lean into it. How about this? Based on your numbers right now, heading into the 2021 season, the highest luxury tax payroll is Golden State at about $178 million. Everybody else is below that mark. So it ranges from, from Oklahoma City at $75 million to Golden State at $178 million, which means that the estimated tax bill for Golden State right now at $184 million is more than any other team is going to be pay, has allocated to their tax payroll right now. Yes. They'll be paying a double tax, $178 to their active roster and $184 as the bill. That's incredible. And, yeah, t- and, and they and just don't give an F. No, that's what and we, then, we just had this talk about Major League Baseball, where everybody's nickel and diming to try to get themselves under that bill so that they're not paying five hundred thousand dollars in tax, because that's what the Red Sox and Yankees would have to pay right now five hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and the Warriors about to pay one hundred and eighty-four million dollars, and right. they're not the favorites to win. It's incredible. And and the teams that we're talking about, Brooklyn Nets, Golden State Warriors, <laughs> they extended Durant, they extended. <laughs> Curry, the Philadelphia 76ers right now, their tax bill is around just under 13. They extended Embiid. So (laughs) you have teams that are paying tax 
and they're going <laughs> to, for all intents and purposes, have to pay tax for the foreseeable future as well. Does anybody have cap space? Could anybody just take Ben Simmons on with cap right now? No. So Philadelphia would have to bring back about $30 million for, for, for a trade. In yeah. other words, they're not going to get much tax relief by trading him. No. Yeah. I, I mean, depending on what they brought back, if I mean, it could be a little bit lower yeah. so they could get a little bit more tax relief. But no, the I guess... It, was that a mistake? Don't you think that was a mistake? They could have traded Ben Simmons to a cap space team created themselves an exception. You know what I mean? Like cleared some tax. I just think, I don't know that they need or will get that kind of player we were talking about before now. You know, deadline spur actions, Andrew Brandt, right? Who's going to give up CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons right now? I don't think I would heading this close to the season. Yeah, but the team, somebody like that, you know? But the, but, the, but the teams that had cap space may not have wanted Simmons or they had a path that or clutch wouldn't do it. They, they weren't <laughs> able to do so. I mean, we're talking about the Knicks, the Pistons, yeah. the Thunder, the Grizzlies. Spurs had it. You know, so, yeah, the Spurs as well. So those are the teams that had cast base. Do those teams want Simmons? Those aren't the teams that keep coming up in the rumors. So my guess is probably not. So you're going to have the most fascinating point the next six weeks. If he stays on this roster, what the hell happens? It, it it really is. Do they just kind of quasi suspend him so that he's not around? You know, like I don't know how you so, could put him out there in front of microphones, right? Yeah, it is going to be one of the most awkward situations yeah. from a media standpoint, from the 76er standpoint. What do you tell him to say? Is it going to be a yeah. a, a, a Drummond or? A, Kevin Love situation where you're you're sitting them but paying them to be on on your bench and or ask him not to come or do you play that play him to show the work that he's done in the offseason is worth someone throwing a trade offer out there I mean he's not garbage and certainly no, during not. the regular season he has a lot of value defensively facilitating but you know the more he plays the more glaringly obvious it's going to be what his deficiencies are. Not that we already don't know them. Especially if he's traded to a playoff team. Right. You know, he's right. going to turn into the fourth quarter no-show on that team. So what team wants to take that on and has the ability to have players that can step up in the fourth quarter when Simmons may not show up? I guess a lot depends on what he's done on the, in this offseason too to change his game, make his game improved, that's that's where the, the the preseason in the beginning of the season is going to be uh, imperative from a scouting standpoint for other teams to see do we want to make that offer do we want to go that route I still think Houston's the right fit now that they have a, a legitimate backcourt he wouldn't have to do much of that he could be able to have have a much simpler role they do need some size they added a couple of offseason pieces but I still think that makes sense and they're not a good team. So they can take a risk like this, you know, and see if it works out for them from a roster standpoint. I don't know if they have the salaries to, to give back, but <laughs> I don't know how they'd make that work. But I, I do think that kind of team is the right move here. Yeah. And his salary this season is 33. So if you match together a, a 20 million and a 12 million or somewhere around there, yeah. I mean, you're getting two players, maybe depth that Philadelphia wants. Mm -hmm. uh, so, the options are there. And then on top of that, 
outside of this season, he still has three more seasons where it maxes out at 40 million. So you're not only taking on him this season, you could potentially have him for three more seasons. Obviously we know how the NBA works and players can be traded willy nilly. Look at Russell Westbrook having been traded three times annually at this point. Is there anybody else out there who's a legitimate trade candidate heading towards the season here? I mean, he's the obvious one, but is that, is yeah, he's the obvious sitting there? Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Keith may have a better indication. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to reach out and see um, if anyone is on his radar. Uh, but I think for the most part right now, I mean, teams are locked in. Free agents can't be traded until December 15th. And so they're, they're just going to have to ride the wave for the first few months of the season. But I'll have to touch base with him and see if he's got any list. I mean, I kind of mentioned in passing Porzingis, Siakam. They've got to be yeah. considerations. And Kevin Love, th- that's a mess. I mean, that's a, that's a total... Talk about awkward. It's a total mess. And I'm not even yeah, sure he's healthy. So that, that, I don't know what you do there. Well, that is an absolute great point because as I was making my my data here and I'm, I wrote down the three players for each team. And when I got down to Cleveland, you've got... Kevin Love as a center as your number one highest, and then Jared Allen is your power forward at your second highest, and that's completely opposite of what the league has gone towards. Right. So it, the yeah, they're the building big Caval- men. <laughs> the Cavaliers are where we were talking about the D- Detroit Pistons last year. Of what, what are they doing acquiring and keeping all these big men? At some point, they're going to have to do something. Love sorta has been. A, a locker room and, and bench cancer. So can you move him to somewhere else I, or is he end up, does he end up being a Kemba Walker situation where you have to just eat the money and, and move on? I guess time will tell. I like Jared Allen a lot. I hope he gets the brunt of the work there and Kevin Love can get the heck out of the way, but yeah, he's got to be a, a candidate. And I it, guess, I guess Wiggins too, Scott, right? Golden State's going to have to feel it out this off season and see how, how that roster comes together and, if Clay's healthy and whatnot, but he he's got to be at least a consideration for some teams. Yeah, that is a great point because in trading him, you know, you could reduce your tax quite a bit if you were able to move him and bring back even, you know, down to 30, uh, 30 million or yeah. 25 million back, you know, that's $6 million because they are a tax repeater is exponentially more beneficial when talking about their tax bill. I actually think he's likely to move once we get going here. Maybe at the deadline more so than this offseason or leading up to the offseason or the regular season. But he's going to be a top, one, of the, one of the names at the top of my list. And, and like you mentioned, Portland. Something in Portland seems like it has to bend and Vegas seems to be thinking also along those lines. So um, there's probably ten or you know eight to ten players here of note that could be on the move here at some point during the season, which is fun. And and you know, with any other league, Scott, this would just be a hot stove talk. But with the NBA, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. These guys actually get moved. Maybe not when we want them to, but at some point they do get moved, either via sign and trade or through an actual trade. That's why this Ben Simmons stuff is so awkward. I think with any other player, this would be done. It would have been done July or August first, the second that the league opened. It would have been done. But there's so much baggage with this one, and you're right. right. The contract is so damaging. It's not as easy as said and done here. Somebody's gonna have. To, they may have to send a legitimate pick with Ben Simmons to get him off that roster. Now that we're we're at this point in time. 
Yeah, you may have to. Yeah. And like I said, that's why some teams are probably waiting to see how does he look when the season starts. Because if he does look well and Philadelphia does want to move from him, then situation can change at that point. And the other thing with these big three is, you know, we, we talked about the extensions that happened with Durant, Curry. Sure. We didn't even talk about Don or Trey Young. The, these big three salaries aren't even including those extensions because those aren't kicking in until next season. That's a good point. So, um, you know, th- this this layout that I have is going to drastically change because of some of these extensions that kick in. Like SGA, he had the extension. Oklahoma City's at the bottom, but they may jump up a little bit once that extension kicks in. Yeah, so. that, that ain't going to happen. There's a lot of work to be done before that actually happens. Hey, what's your uh, kind of, buff, you know, way too early best value two teams here? Teams that look pretty healthy financially but have a legitimate shot. Phoenix Suns. Okay. I, yeah, I like what they did on this list. They're 14th on this list, but they're at, you know, plus uh, what 14 to one. So I, I like them from that standpoint, essentially the same team, uh, Scott, right? Essentially the same team. And then they, they haven't produced in the playoffs, but the Denver nuggets, yeah. you know, they're 11th on this list, but they're, they're three that they have, you know, they traded for Gordon, but they have Jokic and Murray. Murray comes back super healthy. Yeah. That that's a team at twenty to one that could make a deep run if they can stay healthy and things can gel. I'll go similar. I'll go Phoenix, Miami. I think Miami made the right move this offseason. I'm not a huge Kyle Lowry guy, but I think he's enough of an upgrade. And look at that Spolster Riley situation. We shouldn't undersell it as much as people do. They just keep making things work every couple of years. They keep turning the, turning the page. They, they figure out their holes. It's a little Belichickian, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, they they know right. exactly what example. they need. They know exactly where their holes are. They fill their holes every couple of years, and they go and make a big run. I, I think last year was a complete anomaly. And Jimmy Butler, with some help at the point guard position now, some real help. And you get Robinson and Hero going again, and they should be fine. I think they should be totally fine. Yeah, and you know, to give an example, the Miami Heat roster, if you looked at their roster compared to the Los Angeles Lakers roster, it is constructed very similar where you're very heavy at the top, and then the rest of your roster is all minimum guys. Mm -hmm. They brought back Haslam on a minimum. They got Markeith Morris on a minimum, Deadman on a minimum, Oladipo, who he – could be a total Banked X factor. Himself. Could be a total X factor. He he's on a minimum. Yeah. And then you, you got Tyler Hero, who's still on his rookie contract at four million. They signed Duncan Robinson at five and a half or fifteen and a half. So that if he continues to grow, that could be a steal of a contract. You brought in Lowry, who you needed a point guard. You, you moved Dragic and Achua. And so there, it's a similar construction to where you have veterans, minimums, but you're you're heavy on the top. Doesn't it feel Phoenixy? That's why I'm putting those it, two teams together. It does feel Phoenixy too. Yeah, I, I I have to see Bam grow more than he did last season because there were instances where he disappeared. And I, I need to see more of him. He really needs to come in and have a presence. And if you can, ha- he can have the presence with Butler and Lowry and Robinson and Hero can still shoot the three at a high click rate. Then 
that, that team uh, is definitely going to have great value. Sounds exactly like what we were saying about Aiton last year. And he, yeah, and he, exactly. delivered, and he delivered. So I think there's yeah. a real chance that those two teams are in the conversation, you know, at the end of this season. Scott, good stuff. We'll uh, bring Keith back on soon and have a more thorough recap of this offseason as these rosters really do start to finalize. Just a reminder to you out there, we have an NFL and an NBA roster manager right now. So if you are looking to make you know, your favorite NFL team's roster cuts down to 53, you can go to their page on our website, click manage this roster. You can make those cuts. You can make a couple of trades, sign a couple of free agents, whatever you have to do, restructure even. And Scott's built a hell of a one for the NBA as well. Same similar situation. Go to the Lakers page, click manage this roster. You can bring in a couple of minimum guys, use an exception if one's available. It's all real-time stuff leading up to this regular season. So you can uh, kind yep. of play GM tool with this thing. Yeah, let me, let me add on to that because I'm about to push some updates to that as well where there's an arcade mode where the trade restrictions where you can't move, say, Russell Westbrook right now. Sure. You can go into arcade mode and you can move guys now as if the trade deadline, all the trade restrictions were removed. Uh, so that's going to be coming. And then I'm also going to push uh, as we when we get closer to – uh, the actual games being started, I'm going to uh, turn on 22-23 season so you can go and play with the future season as well. Good stuff. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE for information on prospective NFL and NBA draft financial solutions. And of course, balancedbridge.com. Get a guaranteed bridge against your future earnings. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 